0: I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to John chapter 20. We are in what is called the Great Fifty Days of Easter. The Great Fifty Days runs from Easter all the way to Pentecost. It does cover 50 days. And it's during that time that we celebrate 40 days of Jesus' appearances to his disciples. And then the disciples wait another 10 days until that day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes and the church is born. So during these next great 50 days of Easter, we're going to explore some of those resurrection appearances that Jesus makes to his disciples in John chapter 20 and 21. Now just to remind you, last week on Easter, we looked at Mary Magdalene going to the empty tomb, stone's missing she thinks the body of Jesus has been stolen she goes back and finds Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved a disciple that is unidentified they come back they look in the tomb Peter doesn't connect the dots he still doesn't get it that a missing body means a resurrected Jesus but the other disciple does get it the text says he saw and believed And then we see in verse 10 that the disciples went back to their homes. But then we get to verse 11. But Mary, now Mary hasn't left, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. Now, remember last week I told you it was very common for people to be grave robbers. People would steal bodies that had been buried in tombs such as this, and Mary thinks the body has been stolen. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was jesus how often does that happen to you jesus is working and doing something in your life he's right there and we don't see it how often does that happen to us woman he said why are you crying who is it that you're looking for thinking he was the gardener she said sir if you have carried him away tell me where you have put him And I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my Father and your Father and to my God, and your god mary magdalene went to the disciples with the news i have seen the lord and she told them that he had said these things to her sisters and brothers in christ this is the word of the lord and together let us say thanks be to god well i think we've all heard the statement if it had been a snake." it would have bit us if it had been a snake it would have bit us that statement is meant to describe a situation or a reality that is occurring or has already happened that everyone missed but should have seen coming another way to put that truth is we couldn't see the forest for the trees we couldn't see the forest for the trees So, it's not unusual, for example, to hear people say in retrospect of a mass shooter or of a terrorist. It's not unusual to hear people say that they, in retrospect, saw that building up in that person, but in the moment they missed putting two and two together. Or, for instance, about a decade ago, Economists were looking at our economy and at what was going on in the world and they saw all of the banking and all of the lending trends and all of the things that were happening with hedge fund managers and everything that was going on in Wall Street, but they just couldn't put two and two together that led to what we now know is the Great Recession. Or, for instance, a relationship may go sour. And we miss or we ignore all of the signs of the forthcoming demise of that relationship. If it had been a snake, it would have bit us. We couldn't see the forest for the trees. Well, that's what's going on here in this text. When it comes to seeing Jesus after his resurrection, Mary can't see the forest for the trees. She has a case of mistaken identity, and truly for her, if it had been a snake, it would have bit her. Luke's gospel tells us a little something about Mary Magdalene. Jesus heals her of seven demons. It's what Luke chapter eight tells us. And after that time, Mary Magdalene and some other women begin to follow Jesus, as, of course, do the 12 disciples. They follow Jesus for the remainder of his ministry. But here we are at the moment of resurrection, and the only thing that registers for Mary at the resurrection tomb is grave robbers, not grave resurrection. Only grave robbers register for her. So she goes and gets Peter and the other disciple. They look in. They return to their homes. But the text says Mary stays. And when she looks back into that tomb, she sees two angels seated on the ends of where they had laid Jesus. And the two angels ask, Mary, why are you crying? Well, I'm trying to find Jesus. They've taken my Lord away. I don't know where he is. And suddenly another man speaks to Mary. And asks Mary, why are you crying? And who are you looking for? And Mary thinks it's the gardener. And it's only in this text when Jesus calls Mary's name that she recognizes who he is. Now I want you to notice something about this text. Mary strikes out three times. She strikes out three times when it comes to experiencing the risen Jesus. First of all, Mary thinks Jesus' body has been stolen. Strike one. Number two, Mary thinks Jesus is the gardener. That's strike two. And finally, Mary experiences Jesus as that earthly Jesus that she knows, almost this earthly Jesus who has this resuscitated body. She doesn't understand that he is the risen Jesus who must ascend to his father, and Jesus has to say, don't touch me, don't reach out to me. I haven't ascended to my father yet. Strike three. You see, Mary, when it comes to seeing Jesus, the risen Jesus at work, she can't see the forest for the trees if it had been a snake it would have bit her she keeps striking out now you know we're not a lot different from Mary are we often it takes some painful snake bites sometimes we have to go through those seasons of time when we miss the forest and often there are multiple strikes before we begin to see The risen jesus at work in our life it's not until mary finally hears jesus calling her name that she recognizes who she is who he is and now mary's got a story to tell she has heard jesus speak she recognizes him she sees him at work she's got a story to tell now understand though that god is probably not Necessarily, although we shouldn't preclude the fact that this can't happen, but God is not necessarily going to speak your name audibly and to show you those places where He's at work. He's probably not going to say, Hey, come over here for a minute. Let me show you where I'm at work. We, We probably shouldn't expect Jesus to contact us, as is the premise of the new CBS television pilot entitled God Friended Me. This is a show that's going apparently to explore questions of faith and existence and science in what promises to be an uplifting and humorous, humorous drama about an outspoken atheist whose life is transformed when he is friended by God on Facebook. What do you think about that? God friends this outspoken atheist on Facebook, and so unwittingly, this uh, atheist becomes a change agent whose life is really transformed, and he begins to transform the lives of his friends and his neighbors and his coworkers. Now, what I want to say to you, first of all, is don't necessarily sit back and wait for God to friend you on Facebook. And to say, hey, come over here and let me show you a place where I'm at work in your life or in the life of the world. Don't expect necessarily for God, like Jesus did to Mary, to necessarily call your name out audibly. Although we should not hold back on the possibility that God can do that. And by the way, God can friend you on Facebook if he wants to. He's very capable of doing uh, something of that nature if that was his intent. So so how is it that God's going to speak to us? How are we going to see those places where the risen Christ is at work? One of the things that uh, we've done here at Oakmont over the last really probably 15, 20, maybe even 25 years is we've offered the course by Henry Blackaby entitled Experiencing God. A lot of you have had that course. When you take Experiencing God, you study the seven realities of how God does his work in the world. There are two of those seven realities that I think really fit in nicely to what we're talking about this morning. One of the realities simply says, God is always at work around you. He's always, not not just 75% of the time or 50% of the time, 10%, 90%, always, 100%. God's always at work around you. And a second of those seven realities says, god invites you to become involved with him in his work so you see the dilemma is how do you become involved with god in his work if you don't see those places where god is always at work you see see our our challenge here we have to see the places first of all we have to see the risen christ Sometimes he's standing right beside us, just like he was with Mary. Sometimes, if it had been a snake, it have bit us. Jesus is standing so close. He's working right next to us, and we don't see it. See, Mary missed it, right? They've stolen the body. He's the gardener. He's the resuscitated, earthly Jesus. Mary completely misses that it's Jesus at work. And I think that happens with us a whole lot, too. We can't see the forest for the trees. We strike out. If it's been a snake, it would have bit us. So how do we see Jesus at work? Well, let me just say, first of all, that I really think that it's not rocket science. I really think God is at work at those ordinary and typical and routine places in your life, where you're already investing yourself and in the life of our church where we're already investing ourselves god is already at work in those routine and typical places that sometimes we're just blind we don't open our eyes to see it we miss it richard Joyner. how many of you know richard Joyner or have heard of richard Joyner? i see a few hands going up richard Joyner is the pastor the Kenita Missionary Baptist Church over in Edgecombe County let me let me just stop there have you ever heard of Canita? good that's not too far from Penetips I mean pine tops I've always thought it needed to be either cone toe and pine tops or Penetips and Canita. what do you think one of the two richard's been pastor there for 14 years And Richard is also the director of pastoral care at the Nash Health Care in Rocky Mount, at the hospital there. Richard grew up a stone's throw from Oakmont Baptist Church, over here on Highway 43. Richard was one of 17 children. You heard that right one of 17 children born into a sharecropper's family. And uh, in fact, Richard spoke at the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of North Carolina annual gathering back in March. And unfortunately, uh, Larry Hovis, the executive coordinator of CBF of North Carolina, knew I knew Richard and had worked with him in a variety of ways and had asked me last fall to invite him to come and speak at the opening gathering. And I was supposed to introduce Richard. On that Friday, and because of my surgery and my recovery, I was unable to go, but I listened to the audio tape of Richard's um, opening keynote address. He did a super job. And I, and I knew a lot about the story, but when Richard became pastor at Canita 14 years ago, in the first year, now you think about this, in the first year that he was pastor there, he did 32 funerals. He buried 32 people in his church. I mean, you know, that's almost three a month. That's a lot of death and dying. That's a lot of officiating funerals. And here's the other thing about those 32 people. Most of those 32 people at Canita Missionary Baptist Church who died were between the ages of 30 and 50. You know why they were dying? because they had cardiovascular heart disease. They were dying of heart attacks, strokes, high blood pressure, diabetes. And they live in a food desert over there. They don't have access to healthy food. So after the first year of burying 32 people, Ages Mostly ages 30 to 50. Richard knew he needed to do something. So Richard took some action after his first year as pastor. You know, they always tell you the first year, two, three, that you're a new pastor of a church. Don't do anything to rock the boat. Build the trust of the people. Don't change things up. And Richard knew he had to take some drastic action. So Richard took some action that after his first year as pastor almost got him fired. This is true. The deacons wanted to fire him. You know what his fireable offense was? He banned fried chicken and barbecue from church dinners. (laughs) See, with Baptists, you don't mess with their food at the church dinners, right? And and you may think I'm, I'm kidding you about that. Richard will tell you. They wanted to fire him because he banned fried chicken and barbecue from church dinners. And Richard also realized that, that he had was living in this community and there were kids growing up in single parent families and they didn't have any focus, they didn't have any direction, they didn't have any mentorship. And Richard started a summer camp, meeting five days a week throughout the summer. And the first day... That he opened up the camp he had a hundred kids ages four to 16 17 18 years old who showed up and see richard grew up as a sharecropper on the farm and when he left the farm he he vowed and declared he'd never farm again and one day after doing all these funerals and saying to god god what in the world am i going to do about my people dying he said he said he pulled off on the side of the road In his car. And of course, in eastern North Carolina, when you pull off on the side of the road in your car, what do you see? Farmland. And Richard was looking out on the farmland. He was saying, God, what in the world am I going to do? And God suddenly spoke to him not as much audibly, but in his mind, and he says, you're going to teach your people how to grow healthy foods. You're going to teach them how to exercise. You're going to teach them about healthy eating and lifestyles. You're going to put your kids to work. And Richard said, "Uh uh-uh, no, I gave up farming years ago. I grew up in a sharecropper's family. I'm not going to do that again. But that's indeed what God's plan was. And now they farm land, they have bees that they harvest, the honey. And they're teaching those kids to work on the farm, and they're teaching them responsibility. And Richard Joyner will tell you today that he almost missed the risen Jesus at work right next to him. Because he had decided he wasn't going back to the farm. Now, on July the 8th of this year, if you're in town and you're not on vacation, you need to be here because I've already asked Richard to come and preach for us. Richard and I have been talking for some time about doing some pulpit exchanges, and Richard's going to come on July the 8th, and he's going to tell you this story, and that's the first night of our vacation Bible school, and he's going to come back that night and bring some of his kids from Kenita uh, Family Life Center, and they're going to tell you what they do and how they've changed their community. Go ahead and write it on your calendar, Sunday, July the eighth. If you're not on vacation, you need to be here. Richard will tell you I almost missed Jesus at work. You know the same thing almost happened to Oakmont. Eleven years ago, isn't it hard to believe that August the first of this year, that Oakmont will have owned these apartments over here for eleven years? Isn't that hard to believe? And of course, we turned down the opportunity in 2005, and when the opportunity resurrected itself in 2007, some hearts and minds had been changed, and suddenly people said, maybe that's what God wants us to do. But we all vowed and declared in 2007, now we're not buying those apartments to be in the apartment business. We're buying them to tear them down one day, to build new buildings, to put new parking in. We're not going to be in the apartment business. Every one of us, present company included. But God had other things in mind. The risen Jesus was at work already. And God knew that the folks who lived not just in these apartments, but carriage house and around our community, God knew there were children that he wanted us to love on. God knew that there were children who needed help with homework in the afternoons and needed help with literacy and reading. God knew that we needed to start a medical clinic and he led us to buy this building, the branches, four-tenths of a mile down the road and we have a free medical clinic twice a month and our youth ministry meets there. God knew that we needed to reach out to the homeless population in our community and now we have a Tuesday evening meal in ministry that happens every week God knew that we needed to pay attention to some of these single moms and grandmothers and love them and help to nurture them spiritually and financially and and educationally vocationally God knew that we needed to teach English as a second language to some of our Hispanic and Latino neighbors God knew that there were people in our church and in our community all around Greenville who struggled with all sorts and different types of addictions. And he knew we needed to start Celebrate Recovery that meets on Sundays and Mondays. God knew, but we didn't. If it had been a snake, it have bit us. Couldn't see the forest with the trees. Strike three and you're out. Isn't it amazing how easy it is for God's people to miss the risen Jesus at work? So we shouldn't pat ourselves on the back and say, Oh, we're not like Mary Magdalene. We'd have recognized Jesus if he'd have been there. I bet we wouldn't have. But you know, it's really interesting when Mary realizes that Jesus is at work. He's the risen Jesus. He's not a resuscitated earthly Jesus. He's not the gardener. His body hadn't been stolen. It's really amazing because she willingly and eagerly begins to tell the rest of the disciples her experience with Jesus. She doesn't go through an evangelism training program to teach her how to share her faith. She just tells what she knows because she's seen Jesus and he's at work and he's alive so you know when we get a glimpse of the risen jesus at work too it's going to happen with us it'll be just like a good restaurant you find it'll be just like a great place to purchase clothes or buy a new car it'll be just like when you suddenly find that caring and competent person who can be your doctor or your dentist or your real estate agent, your attorney, your HVAC repair guy, your personal trainer, you'll have such a good experience with the risen Jesus that just as in those situations, you'll be so excited about seeing Jesus that you won't be able to contain the news. That's how churches grow. If you want to talk numerical growth for a minute, spiritual growth is more important. But if you want to talk numerical growth, it's because God's people got excited about seeing Jesus and they couldn't contain the news. That's how the pews get filled up. If they're not getting filled up, there's only one person to point the finger at. And it's you and me. Because we're not telling the good news. The risen Jesus is alive and well and at work, friends. This afternoon at 3 o'clock, our deacons are going to be meeting. They're going to be debriefing some of the deacon community conversations we had back in January where you had a chance to show up on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night and weigh in on ways that you thought you were seeing Jesus at work. Sometime between 3 and 5 o'clock today, say a prayer for your deacons. And for me, I'm going to be with them. Say a prayer. Say a prayer that hopefully, unlike Mary, it won't take them and all of us three strikes and you're out before we see the risen Jesus at work. Say a prayer that hopefully, unlike Mary, we'll be able to see the forest and not focus on the tree stumps. And say a prayer this afternoon for you deacons, really for all of us, that as we move through this discernment process and try to see the Jesus, the risen Jesus at work, pray that we won't let the snake bite us. That's right next to us. Pray, people. Pray. Pray.